welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We are here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. And joining us today is Michael Smith, CEO of Power. So we've got some fun, really fun topics to talk about today. Virtual power plants uh, related topics. We've covered virtual power plants a lot, but we're actually going to get more into it than I think we normally do with, with you, Mike. To start with, Michael, could we just get a little bit of background on your history in the industry, how you got into this industry, and how you got into sea power and, and what it's doing generally before we get into the details? Yeah, yeah, Zach, thanks. And thanks for having me on today. It's, uh, you're right, it's a super exciting topic and a super exciting time for this particular topic. Sea Power is an energy technology company that basically aggregates customer DERs into virtual power plants for the benefit of the grid. I started at Sea Power about two months ago. I came from the uh, solar energy development space and before that in the venture technology investing space. And, and this was really attractive to me personally and professionally because I think this is really the most exciting or one of the most exciting pieces of the energy market right now, where we're thinking about challenges to the grid in terms of resiliency and reliability and how customers' assets at the very ends of the grid can pay a, play a pivotal role in establishing resiliency, reliability, and allowing for future growth of demand. And we sit right at the middle of that. And uh, that's what's super exciting to me about being here and about Sea Power. Yeah. So just a little bit, can you expound a little bit more on what you mean by providing distributed energy customers with the opportunity to, to join virtual power plants? Yeah. So first, let's just unpack what do we mean when we say distributed energy resources? Distributed energy resources are behind the meter, load, generation, storage, those kinds of assets um, or characteristics that large or all customers really have that can be dispatched or called on by the grid at times of need. So think about any building that has any amount of load could potentially be a distributed energy resource. And what's happening is more and more customers are are putting in building automation systems that allow them their, to control the load in their buildings or their processes, are installing on-site generation for backup in their own personal and professional resiliency, are installing batteries. And those kinds of things then can become distributed energy resources. Then what a VPP provider like CPower does, we aggregate up all these little resources into a large block that can participate in utility and uh, grid operator programs that value these things and pay for these things like they would pay for it, you know, turning on a generator at a time of need to balance the grid. Yeah. So what kind of scale are you talking about? Like how many such sources of distributed energy resources and, and in what regions are, are we talking about? Power has about 6.3 gigawatts of capacity available. So think about that, like being six nuclear power plants or 12, you know, kind of 500 megawatt coal plants, 20,000 sites across the country 
We are active in all markets in the continental United States that value these resources. That's about 55 different programs across the country where we participate uh, on behalf of our customers. That's humongous. <laughs> but a lot of the VPP, virtual power plant leaders, have been in, in California and Arizona and Texas. So I, I imagine you're in those markets, right? We are. Yeah. So we are in all the contiguous U.S. markets. I think our coverage is still expanding. For instance, our participation in SVP opportunities is still pretty limited, but there's a lot of customer opportunity there. So, uh, you know, we tend to, we, we've been at this for a long time. We tend to get really smart about how these markets work. And we've got this very large customer base that we can then, you know, expand with as we think about other places where we can, you know, provide value both for customers and for the grid operators. And then how does that connection work? How do you work with the, 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 your distributed energy resource customers? Yeah, that's, that's our, really our secret sauce, right? So we have our, our technology platform in the middle, and it could be as simple as a single controllable load resource at a single customer that we can deploy you know, on an, in an automated fashion at the time where the grid calls upon that particular resource. But it can be much more complex, too. A couple of years ago, we launched our Enterwise site optimization that actually will take multiple resources at a particular customer site, aggregate and optimize those resources and optimize how they participate in any program. What that does is it makes the resource mix much more flexible for the grid operator, and it provides multiple revenue streams for the customer as well. So that's something that we're expanding rapidly. What we're finding is these markets, you know, 10 years ago used to be kind of blunt instrument. You know, you needed a capacity resource, you called on a capacity resource, done and dusted. The resource may not even show up, but it gets paid just to be available. Now we are able to deploy resources in ancillary services markets, which we call fast acting markets, so they can support the grid in multiple ways. And we're finding, you know, that requires a much more robust tech stack between the grid operator and the customer in order to optimize multiple resources and multiple programs. Yeah, so this year has unfortunately been just an example of I think what we have what we have to come climate and weather wise we uh we've had a lot of extreme heat. Luckily I was not in Florida for much of the summer because when I came back and the worst was gone, it was still the hottest I ever remember Florida summer being and I grew up here and went to college here before I uh, left for 15 years and came back. So it's, it's been extreme summer. And then actually when I, at some point I saw a map of of wet bulb temperatures in the country. So this is like really how uh, it's a, it's a certain measurement of the temperature and it, Florida wasn't even near the worst. It was the worst was in Texas and Arizona out, out in the South Southwest just dramatic heat waves. I remember, I think Phoenix broke a record for something like 54 days in a row going, hitting 110 or something, some crazy records. So how does that affect the grid? And then how does what you're doing help the grid to deal with these extreme heat waves? Yeah, so we start from the premise that you just outlined that 2023 was the hottest summer on record, you know, period, full stop. But then also we have these extreme events in the wintertime. Don't forget, you know, Storm Elliott last December in the mid-Atlantic. So the weather is becoming more volatile and more extreme. That is a fact. But you also have, you know, this really interesting 
situation where for the first time in like a decade, demand is starting to grow. And we're anticipating, you know, 60 gigawatts of additional demand between now and the end of the of the decade. And you've got generation retirements. So you've got, as a result of this, you know, a grid that's pretty stressed, right? And what we do is, you know, we provide as a VPP provider, the capacity resources for grid operators to call on in times of stress. So for instance, during Elliott, Last December, C-Power provided 50 gigawatt hours of, uh, of power in order to help prevent blackouts in the eastern seaboard. In Texas, over the summer, we provided about 385 megawatts uh, of capacity to help ERCOT stabilize that grid. So, so these are lot. resources. Yeah, that's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are resources that are available. We show up when we're called and um, we provide a valuable service as a result of that. Yeah, I'm just a bit curious to, you know, it was two or three or four, I lose track of time, but years ago where Texas had the real crisis with uh, in the winter. That's uh, right. Was that, I got, I got the picture that was a bit of an impetus for utilities and, and regulators to kind of up the game and, and realize, oh, we need to do more. We need more flexible options. We need, we need better solutions. Is that accurate was that sort of a bit of a, a of a tipping point for for these these entities yeah it's unfortunate these extreme weather events have had the effect of being a tipping point for grid operators and regulators and particularly state regulators to say that we need to do more you go back to 2020 with FERC order 2222 that kind of laid some groundwork for the further development of VPPs, but it's really, and, and you see this throughout history, right? It's human nature. Something bad happens and we respond to that, something bad happening by doubling down on seeking, you know, solutions to those things. We don't, regardless of the, you know, extreme weather events, regardless of FERC 2222, we at Power with our customers continue to lean into these things. We're working hard with the states, working hard with the, uh, with the uh, independent system operators, to get these resources to market because they provide so much value and so much flexibility. And they're frankly a lot more efficient and cheaper than the alternatives. Deploying VPPs is, you know, 40 to 60% cheaper than going out and building a bunch of new power plants and transmission lines. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely. Hello listeners. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of clean tech talk. My name is Scott and I'm Zach's business partner here at clean technica. We know we're having a positive impact and helping the world move past fossil fuels, but I think we all know we need to move faster. We at Cleantechnica want to accelerate the clean tech revolution and we'd love your help. Could you chip in $5 or $10 a month? If that's within your budget, please check out cleantechnica.com support. That's cleantechnica.com support, where you can sign up via PayPal or Patreon and make a monthly contribution. Thanks so much. So, I mean, we have a bit of an issue in the U.S. Uh, it's nothing new, but we don't have a very cohesive national energy policy or regulations. We have some to some extent, but, you know, we're, we're made for uh, we have, you know, we have the divide between state and federal government. And when it comes to these matters, it just hasn't been something the federal government has has ever been or for a long time has been much of a of the the leader on. So it, it seems like it comes down to states and utility uh, districts and utility regulators. And then you, you've also got the issue of, you know, the different grids in the, in the country, that it's not one big grid. So I'm just curious a bit, like, where do you find 
where do you find there's the most leadership? There's been the most leadership on these solutions. What areas of the country are you finding are really, really jumping in full, full, full steam now? Maybe they weren't leaders, but they're right at this moment, sort of getting uh, very active changes going on. And uh, we'll start with those two. <laughs> sure. So we are spending an awful lot of our kind of regulatory government affairs time and effort at the state level. We still are very active. We continue. We've always had been very active at the ISO level and at FERC. But we're finding state regulators are becoming more and more interested uh, in these types of issues and in the power of the virtual power plant. So, for instance, Connecticut has new incentives for storage, as does the state of Illinois. Of course, California has been a leader uh, for, for a long time in the deployment of behind-the-meter resources and is now taking a harder look at really how the behind-the-meter resources can be aggregated for the you know to create the value that virtual power plants offer. So, yeah, they've got their we, own we, sort of not maybe crisis, but issue with the duck curve and enormous amount of solar generation in, in the daytime and sort of so they're at a whole different like stage of how you use VPPs, right? Whole different stage. That's exactly right. And and it, it ironically. California's VPP rules are, are incredibly complicated and somewhat onerous, and they require a high level of dispatch for a commercial industrial or industrial customer, which may not be consistent with that customer's operating parameters. So you know, we're working with the state of California to make sure that we can come up with kind of reasonable rules around how DERs can be deployed in a VPP fashion for the benefit of the market. And I think we'll get there. And you know, we're, we're optimistic about that. When we're optimistic, look, that, that FERC will continue to be vigilant about these issues. The, the, you know, the DOE report that came out this month, you know, puts a, a real exclamation point on the need for further VPP development across the country. So we think that the, the wind is at our backs. But you're, you're, the, 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 point your, the implied point in your question that it's really complicated in a very balkanized regulatory environment is spot on. And we have to kind of be, you know, push these things on all fronts. Yeah. And so that was my third question was, I, I'm, I know FERC and the and federal government is still trying to regulate and adapt and improve, improve the situation. I was just much more nimble on the state levels and much more responsive. So I, I'm just curious on the federal level, is there anything really big and notable that you're also involved with that, that's going on or or sort of just uh, an incremental like make progress how you can uh, as you can and, and you know they're doing the same within their kind of built-in limits? Yep, spot on. So continue under 2222 to push the RTOs and to, to you know, develop their plans and push the states to push the RTOs to develop their plans. At the end of the day, I mean, this is like something that that state regulators who have jurisdiction over the, their you know utilities within their borders have a huge interest in. And frankly, the customers in those states have a huge interest in. I mean, nobody wants to see a, a unreliable, unresilient grid. And this VPPs is one way that we can help, you know, stave that off. And I think state regulators are taking more, paying more and more attention to that. Yeah, so getting back to the customers again. So how 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 uh, has this affected customers and and how they manage their energy and how they look at energy and how they they think about benefiting from energy? What how how has that evolved with what you've been doing? 
the way to start with that is to kind of pan out a little bit. The trend over the last decade, at least probably more, is more and more large customers are deploying more and more behind the meter resources to control their energy spend. So they are engaging in energy efficiency programs to reduce the, the route of energy that they use. They are just deploying on-site solar and energy storage, not because it's environmentally friendly to do so, which it certainly is, but because it's economically adva advantageous for them to do so. So the cost of deploying these on-site resources is coming down. The value of deploying them is going up. So you have this explosion of, of distributed energy resources. And they're doing that, again, large customers that are our customers are doing that to, to reduce their energy costs. What VPPs allow them to do is enjoy additional revenue streams and additional opportunity from doing these things, which makes then some of these these deployments even more affordable. So if you're thinking about deploying on-site storage, you stack up the, the incentives and the value of the on-site storage. And you say, if I can also deploy that on-site storage as a VPP into an energy market and earn additional revenues as a result of that, it makes my economic decision that much more viable. So you have this virtual cycle of including additional revenues in your, in your assumptions on when you're going to do these types of on-site resource deployments. Yeah, I assume larger companies get different departments involved all of a sudden in in this part of the business. Or you used to be one one department, now it's maybe three or four probably looking at this and, and thinking about what to do. Uh, it's quite interesting. I, I'm told that you can get quite technical with us. So this I want to use this opportunity to really uh really you know dive into the technology needed for VPPs and What's next in terms of VPP technology? Because we talk about them generally a lot, as you can probably tell from the conversation, but we we don't often get into the real deep technical aspect of it. So let's let's hear what what that is. Well, start from this again. Start very simple, very simple deployment of a, a distributed energy resource into a market program would be call up the company and say, hey, turn down your lights and turn down your machines for the next hour, right? So very, very, very old school. So if you, if you fast forward now, when these devices are now able to connect to our systems, we can control them uh, on an automated fashion. So you have automated control of on-site resources, automated optimization of on-site resources using our technology that feeds back to and is the connective tissue with the dispatch mechanisms of the organized markets. So you're talking about taking something that it's, at its essence can be done in a very manual fashion and automating it over time. That re requires on-site load and generation resources to be dispatchable and to be able to connect virtually to our systems or to the systems of any VPP aggregator and those systems be able to tech talk, connect back to the systems of the ISO. And as far as like where it's headed, is there any, are there any clear innovations that are sort of just arriving around the corner? I'm not sure I can speak really to whether what's coming around the corner, but I can say that the trend is clearly for more devices to be more automated. Yeah, that's and to make that smaller too, right? So you get yeah. down into the residential thermostat and being able to aggregate these very, very small devices as part of your VPP as well. So I think you're just, you'll continue the trend 
you know, the the Internet of Things moniker is way, way overused. But you're you'll continue yeah. the trend of more devices being more able to communicate to a centrally located place for 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 dis- dispatch and those devices. Uh, and, and also then the automation, as we're doing now with Enterwise, of actually optimizing multiple distributed energy resources for multiple programs. So you're not just going one-to-one, one device-to-one program, you're taking multiple devices at a site, figuring out what's the best shape of using those devices for the exact need of the grid operator at the time and deploying them that way. So there's a lot of efficiency to be run out of the system by doing it. Yeah, and if I'm making a coffee and my coffee machine just shuts off, I'm going to call up C-Power, right? <laughs> exactly right. No, it's much more, it's much smarter than that, of course. Uh, but I, I, I was curious. I was almost asking directly about that, about the just getting more control of 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 appliances and certain elements of the home that are not just the thermostat or or the EV charger or whatever. Well, I, I'm curious too. This is maybe a little bit left field, but. For a while, we were using the, the term prosumers everywhere, and prosumers was a very popular term for, for this kind of what's happening with customers. And I feel like I'm not seeing it now. I'm, it was, I'm curious just if you want to comment on the on that term or if there's any reason why it's not in fashion. And, and of course, virtual power plants is sort of like the hot new term in general, but it's also it's also well beyond what, I mean, it's a whole, as we're talking about this whole podcast, it's a complicated combination of things. Yeah, I too have noticed that the 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 popular prosumer term of a couple of years ago is somewhat waned. And I can't really speak to what's driven that. I, I will say that, you know, we are calling, you know, our uh, VPP that, you know, the customer power grid, which I think is really sticks with with the people that, you know, are, are with our constituents and our and our and our team, uh, because it really does say that, you know, we are using enabling certain attributes of our customers to be valuable resources on the grid. Uh, that's great for grid stability, resiliency, but it's also great for our customers because they aren't additional revenues. Uh, I did want to loop back to one thing we were we were just kind of skating up against that I think is really interesting that we have to always bear in mind. And you, your, your coffee pot comment made me think of this. You know, while we're thinking about how we optimize and deploy these, these valuable uh, resources at our customers' places of business, we also have to think about their operating parameters and we have to, those things have to be, you know, very, very highly coordinated and they're different for every customer, which I think is part of our secret sauce as well. You know, some customers are going to say like, look, I don't, you know, you can't take my operating <laughs> line. I'm making widgets. You can't take that down at certain times of day, or you can't take that down at all. Other yeah. customers, for instance, you know, a really interesting DER that I've just kind of discovered is called interruptible computing load. And interruptible computing load is a really potentially flexible and valuable resource because a large data center or a crypto miner can move physically their the work that they're doing to another place oh. uh, if they need to or reduce if they need to. So there's a lot of flexibility there. But we, we as a VPP provider and, and VPP providers in the industry need to be really thoughtful about the specific operating parameters of their customers, because not all customers can behave the same way at the same time. Yeah, that's really fascinating. That was a really interesting look into it. And yeah, I mean, that's sort of what it gets down to is at every every company, you're going to have different things that are more flexible and less flexible. And you need a good management system where you just go and you, you have your list of kind of load 
sources and and sort of saying okay this is flexible at these times this is not flexible at these times and 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 go through it and the more advanced we get the more you can do that with different loads and obviously there's diminishing returns at some point like the coffee maker is not going to be on that list because you know you're not using it that much it's not drawing that much power but but it is something people are afraid of too it's like oh well what if you start you use you know start using something when i need it or something well that's that's part of the process you figure that out with them and you make sure that there's no problem of do you ever run into any problems of of uh kind of customers not wanting something to be tapped into at certain times or i wouldn't say that broadly certainly we have customers that at times will you know will be called on to perform and will not be able to perform for whatever reason and the market rules all kind of deal with how you deal with that so so these the, the good thing about a vpp is you know you have a vast number of resources so you have a lot of flexibility in how you pull those resources together at any given time yeah, but, there's but, always edge cases. And this is actually right. years ago, we used to highlight that how this could help with grid stability, but also grid security. And just the more distributed something is, the less vulnerable it is to either an attack or a disaster. So if you have, you know, if you have two power plants providing all the power for your region and one gets attacked or taken down or a cyber attack or whatever, then you have a crisis. If you have 2000 sources, it's much more difficult to 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 have a stability or security crisis because you have more flexibility, right? One hundred percent. I think that's that's a, that's a that's a great point. One we don't talk about enough is the security aspect of what a VPP provides. And like you said earlier, it comes up when there's a crisis. Like if there's a security crisis, or that's when it will get talked about again. And that's that's sort of I I, I think it surfaced to the top at some point when there was the, the an issue with potentially russian uh hacking of the of the grid and access right. to the grid and, and then it was became a topic again but even like 10 15 years ago we were talking about it off and on depending on what was happening but the yeah i was, I was, I was just gonna say it's sort of funny too when i started asking about the prosumers i'm like oh i'm the one in the communications business i should be <laughs> i should be asking myself this question but but I, I don't know if sometimes phrases come in and out of vogue, get in and out of fashion. Maybe it wasn't just capturing enough or maybe it was complicated. I mean, it's sort of clear you're producing and you're consuming, but it's also right. maybe just complicated, like con- complicated and uh, confusing for people. Like, like, what am I? What is a prosumer? Why are you calling me a prosumer? Like, I'm not a prosumer. I don't know. But anyway, terms come and go. Well, that that was I mean, I think the bulk of what I had. I Is there any? Is there anything we missed or that you want to circle back to? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Uh, Great conversation. And thanks for the time again today. I would just leave by saying kind of something I alluded to at the very beginning. You know, uh, there is an explosion of DERs uh, in in this space, and it's only going to continue because customers want these, these resources for their own needs. And, you know, any DER can be part of a virtual power plant and can provide in addition to the value it provides to the host, the the, the investor or host that's putting this DER in or, 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 or following this program, a lot of uh, benefit to the grid in general. So and what I'm most proud about of what we do at CPower is we're that connective tissue that stands between valuable resources for consult- customers and valuable resources for the grid operator. And we're just going to see more of this stuff. And it's going it's, it's to continue to proliferate across the, uh, the energy landscape.
Yeah, well, the thing that stood out to me, aside from your great detailed explanations and discussion, is your scale is already, I mean, you're already at such a big scale. I mean, you're already huge with what you're doing. So I imagine in 10 years, just my you know, expectation of the market, you're going to grow enormously and you're going to be... <laughs> Can be really huge. So, um, yeah, excited to see your progress and really uh, appreciate talking with you today. Yeah, great to meet you. Great to talk to you. And uh, thanks for all the work that you're doing out there as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Cheers. Take care. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks.